Welcome. 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 Unicorn. Unicorn. <laughs> Join Andrew Wall, Hector Garcia, and Michael Lee. One mission, one rule make accounting fun. Welcome to Friday Night Live with Accountants. Are you ready? Good evening, everybody. We are live with a special guest. Uh, Misty is joining us from Intuit, uh, former fame at a few other popular places, T-Sheets and uh, Sleater Group, just to name a few. Hector, why don't you introduce everyone to our guest tonight? So, hey, Andrew, how are you? Guys, we have a special treat today. We have Misty Mejia, someone I've been following as they move around in different organizations until she landed in the best organization in the world. Let me give you a quick background on how I met Misty. So in 2012 or 13, I started traveling for business. This was my first time. I was always in my cocoon in Miami. And I started looking for conferences and places because I was becoming really a big QuickBooks nerd. And I wanted to kind of experience the, the community of QuickBooks nerd. So I traveled all the way to Las Vegas to a conference called SleaterCon. SleaterCon was uh, run by Doug Sleater, who is kind of semi-retired. I'm waiting for him to make the, the big comeback. But anyway, uh, the, the conference was sold and and um, and Misty kind of went from working under Doug's leader, which we'll talk to him. We'll talk to her about the experiences with him because he's one of my heroes and I'm sure she's got some great stories to share. So she used to, uh, I don't know what she did at, at LeaderCon, but she, she was talking to everybody at the conference and, and we worked together when I spoke there. And, um, and then the transition after the conference was sold, she went to work for CPA Academy, great organization. I'm really good friends with the owner. I teach at, the, at their webinars as well. And uh, CPA Academy sort of struck a deal with Intuit to help Intuit put together some of the CPE uh, and educational content. So naturally, Misty working for CPA Academy helped QuickBooks Connect, the big conference that we all cherish and love, uh, put, put some content together. So I don't know how it happened, but Misty went from CP Academy to T-Sheets and, and T-Sheets, which wasn't an Intuit company then, also sort of continued to partner with Intuit to help put together the speakers at QuickBooks Connect. And she used to run the accountant channel, kind of help accountants get acclimated and influencers with the, with the T-Sheets product. Then T-Sheets got acquired about two years ago and she naturally went to work for Intuit and she was uh, put now to lead the Pro Advisor program. So now Misty Mejia works at Intuit, leads the Pro Advisor program, and organizes the speakers at QuickBooks Connect. All right, Misty, did I miss anything? <laughs> that is at least my accountant life. I mean, I have a whole previous life in technology prior to us meeting, but that's in a nutshell my accountant world. All right, so let's start talking about that. So I know that uh, kind of your hobby or what you do outside of the technology tech world is theater. So we'd love to deep dive into how theater has influenced uh, your current career, your business career, uh, your work uh, in the accountant influencer, accountant education program. But I'd like to specifically talk maybe uh, your years at, uh, at Sleater. Okay, Sleater, great organization. He was a great leader of pro advisors and business advisors. In general, I love Doug's leader, and I'm sure I would have loved to be a fly on the wall in meetings you had with him. So I would love to ask you, what great things did you learn uh, from Doug and from this leader organization and your years there? You know, I will, uh, I agree with you. I love Doug and Cheryl. The whole team there was incredible. Uh, they were definitely my stomping ground when coming into the accounting world. And to be honest, when I first started, I went in for an interview with them and we talked theater the whole time. And I kept trying to get back to my resume and talk to them about the technology industry that I've been in and all these other things. And they just kept weaving it back to theater and asking me all sorts of questions about directing. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. And so I just gave into the conversation and we just chit chatted and then I left and I had a, a lunch with a friend. She's like, how did your interview go? And I go, I don't think I got the job but I think I made some really good friends. <laughs> and then within like a couple hours, uh, Cheryl wrote me an email and it was the first time I'd ever had a job created for me. They said, hey, we don't wanna hire you for the job 
that we were looking for, but we want to actually create something that fits your skill set and your background. And they created a position that was unique for my skills, which I just really appreciated and had never had that happen. So I walk in and to that company just um, with such respect for them kind of feeling me out as a person and understanding that. But after like the first month, I was like, oh my God, what am I doing in the accounting world? This is like, so even though I had been in technology, I had owned my own business for years. I had done all these other things. This was a totally different beast to me. And I like would come home crying and going, I don't know what I'm doing. And it wasn't until I just had a click moment of, hey, I don't have to teach these accountants how to do accounting. Like that's not, <laughs> that's not what I'm here for. And I started looking at the other skills that I do have and my marketing background and my sales background and building businesses from the ground up. And I thought, okay, this is the skill set that I can bring. And it was because of Doug and Cheryl's like environment that they created of just allowing people to find their footing and to just kind of coach them along their way and encourage them. He encouraged me to take so many risks um, and go along with me from creating the Mr. Sleater's neighborhood with the pop-up puppet, <laughs> like to whatever, whatever we really wanted to dream, he would just give us the freedom to do so. And I think a lot of companies often don't let their employees do that. Um, so I definitely learned that from him of just allowing people to bring their best to work. And, and Misty, for the folks that might not no dogs leader or, or maybe there's no context there yeah. can you give, give me a quick one minute overview on what is what is the the contribution of of, of this leader family in the quickbooks pro advisor uh accountant profession yeah, so Doug Sleater is a thought leader, a recognized thought leader in the accounting profession. He is now in the hall of fame of thought leaders in the accounting profession. And one of the things that I really admired about that company, and I still think it's a gap uh, kind of in the accountant world a little bit, is that he was this agnostic um, person with a technology background and an accounting background that would basically vet technology because we knew that accountants didn't have time to vet all the different things out there. So he would take the time, me, him, and the team, and truly dig into the weeds of what was existing out there. So we could recommend, hey, this is something that actually works as it says it does, or hey, this does not stay away from this. And just having that voice of trust that wasn't tied to any particular company. So to me, uh, he was always very forward thinking. He was talking about like moving to the cloud and advisory services in 2011. And people were like, you're crazy. No, that's not gonna happen. And so it's funny to hear those conversations and then years later start seeing that trend uh, going. But the people that you know were with him, like you Hector coming in and saw that, and actually took the steps are already so much further ahead because he was the one kind of bringing voice to those changes in the profession. And one of my favorite quotes from Doug is ability trumps, no, agility trumps ability. Yes. And he keeps saying it today. I mean, it, it's, I, I think he, he uses hashtags and says it when he comments on something. And it's, I think it's a really good point because, um, Technology is changing super, super fast. And sometimes when we become really, really good at one piece of technology, we get mired in that. That's our skill set. And we're sort of stuck there. Mm -hmm. and, um, and and even 10 years ago, 15 years ago, he's, he was saying this. And it's even truer today. What's, what's more valuable for you to hire someone that's really, really good at, just to say it, T-sheets, or someone that, that is not good at T-sheets, but could quickly adapt to any sort of time tracking system? Right. Yeah. Same thing with QuickBooks. You want to hire someone that's extremely good at QuickBooks or someone that can pick up any accounting software because they're sort of open and not, not close-minded and they're more uh, sort of technology fluid. I think it might be, right. might be a good, good term to say. And, and with this uh, concept of fluidity, he's got another uh, term that I love, which is called digital plumbing. It's the first time I heard <laughs> yes. someone say digital plumbing. <laughs> and it, 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 because... Uh, Right now, technology is getting a lot better where integration is like a click or two, so it's not really a big deal. But 10 years ago, 
integration was about, you really had to think about it. Like, okay, what field goes in what place? You know, kind of right. like what Zapier is now where you kind of have to think through. How where, does it push and pull the data? Exactly. So yeah. he, he made a big deal about, look, this is the future. We are not accountants. We're not advisors. We're going to be digital plumbers. And after we finish plumbing, right, the con connecting, <laughs> then at that point we can be advisors because now our data is moving the way the way it's supposed to. So those two terms, I'm sure he's got many uh, yeah. dogisms, but uh, those are the terms <laughs> I, I, I remember. The digital plumbing one, we really tried to find a different term for that. Because <laughs> we're just like, do we really want to compare our accountants to plumbers? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but when it comes down to it, it really is all of the flow of everything that is going on. You know who's really uh, has cracked the net even further is Donnie Shimamoto. I don't know if you've seen his, some of his work. I know you were at our summer camp for T-Sheets um, this summer. Uh, but he was on the second day and he has taken it probably 10 steps further on the digital plumbing side. And it's really fascinating what he's doing. You're muted, Andrew. You're muted. See your lips moving, but. <laughs> okay, so apparently the star trick only works when you have the app uh, open. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying this whole digital plumbing thing, I, it's new to me. Unfortunately, I, I guess I came a little bit later to the game um, and, and really missed out on the whole um, SleederCon experience, but I, I'd heard so many great things about it uh, when I came. I, I did get the, the opportunity to meet Doug like for you know half a beer, I think at one of the T-Sheets parties. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> it sounds like he was such an amazing guy. I mean, to have that foresight for where the where the technology was going to be going and for where the community was going to be going but not, not only that be willing to take the risks to bring in someone with a you know a bit of uh, technology background and theater background and create a whole new program um, around a different skill set than i think what most people would think is traditionally associated with accounting i think yeah. uh, speaks volumes to his character um, and I think that's really interesting. I mean, one of the things I wanted to bring up, Misty, if you don't mind sharing, yeah. is uh, the program that, um, I don't even know if we can announce that you <laughs> announce it yet, uh, but the, what is the, it? The one in Toronto. Um, so um, rumor has it that Misty will be joining us here in Toronto, QB Connect. Ah. <laughs> first, um, and you're gonna be talking about theater improv. And, and we were talking last week about the importance of marrying soft skills with, you know, accounting and how yeah. often that is overlooked. And, and I look at um, theater and improv as, as very much uh, a way to build those soft skills. Can you maybe share a little bit more about what you're going to be doing in that, in that um, event at QB Connect Toronto? Yeah, 100%. I know it took me a, a, a couple of weeks to say yes to it. I will say that, but my heart kept going, oh, just do it. But uh, <laughs> it was, it's a three hour workshop. And as Hector knows, putting together three hours of content is like, that it takes a lot more than three hours <laughs> to put it together. So um, they asked me to do a combination of theater and improv class workshop. And basically what we're gonna be talking about is um, communication skills, nonverbal communication skills that are theater based. And there are so many different ways that when I'm directing a show that you just do a few tweaks and how the body is communicating between two people and that to an audience makes them feel like they're in love and they've known each other forever, right? And so there's all these skills that you can take from theater and actually apply to customer relationships, to your team relationships, to help build a bond faster and a unique and tight deep bond. So I'm taking some of those skill sets and teaching those things. We'll be breaking it down and doing some fun, like interactive activities, but I promise not to make anybody perform unless they're actually inspired to do so in front of the whole group. And then we'll be doing some improv skills and improv is all around the yes and, which I'm sure you guys have heard multiple times. Um, to me, a lot of those theater skills are about opening your mind to being creative. And a lot of times people in brainstorming situations, they'll shut down ideas without even knowing it. 
And at a brainstorming moment, it's not about like, we have to get to the best idea right now. It's about being fluid and in the moment and adding to the conversation. And sometimes you have to go through some crazy stuff. And then all of a sudden somebody says something and you're like, that's it, that's it. But it takes you all taking the same risks and being silly and going through all the movements in order to get there. So we'll be going through some improv skills to help us like stretch our creativity, to stretch our brainstorming skills, to stretch our connection, our interconnection between each other and uh, just have some fun. And risk is such an important thing for us as accountants to learn about uh, an experience and expose ourselves to more because we're trained as, well, not just accountants, financial professionals, bookkeepers, all of us, are trained to avoid risk. Risk mitigation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how when how do you marry that dichotomy between you're taught to avoid risk at all um, costs, yet um, the need to take risks to be able to have a business or a practice that's going to grow, you yeah. need to be able to take risks. You need to take risks with new technology. You need to take risks with new conversations internally with your staff, externally mm -hmm. with your customers. And I think that that's a big area that um, is hard for us. I know it's certainly hard for me. Some people might find that hard to believe that they pull uh, scooters down uh, escalators. Uh, but it's something that I, it took experience, right? You have to be willing yeah. to put yourself out there that first time and realize that, you know, when you fall down, you're going to get back up and it's not going to be the end of the world. You might have a couple bruises, a couple scrapes, um, but you have that much more knowledge from that experience. And, and it's really those those failures and those mistakes is where a lot of the learning comes from. 100%. And I think like any other muscle that we train, that taking risks is another muscle that we have to train. And a lot of times people are like, <gasps> to a risk, but you got to break it down. I think they look at the end goal as opposed to all the steps to get to that end goal. And so when you're focusing so far ahead, it is scary. But when you're focusing on your first step, not so scary. Your next step, not so scary because you're doing it in bite-sized chunks. And so you do what's comfortable for you in taking that risk, you know, calculated risks at first. And then you get to that point where you're like, oh, hey, it's okay if I fail. Like, yep. hey, I've lived, I've 100% lived through every failure I've had. Exactly. And then you're I'm riding still, a hoverboard escalator. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's like, I mean, granted, at the position I'm in now, it is a little bit scary, I will say. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> That's the hard part, too, right? As, as you get more successful, as you build your career, it becomes harder and harder to take those risks. But I love your suggestion to start small, right? Don't look at this as this big, massive change that you want to make. What's the baby step that's going to get you there? Mm -hmm. um, just take it one one step at a time. I love that, that approach. What's your thought, uh, Hector? I know you're pretty comfortable with risk. Uh, <laughs> He's all no problem. I got this. Yeah, yeah I got it. Yeah, risk is, risk is you know, um, on the on the theater slash improv conversation, I know nothing about theater. I must confess, and I don't want to say I don't know much about improv, but at least I'm a consumer of improv. And I'll tell you what I mean. <laughs> is uh, I've been to Chicago about three times. Every time I go, I first thing I do is I hit second city and oh. every time I go it's like I, I want to go every single day for me improv shows teach me so much about about so many things and um and in Toronto a, there's another second about well, there's the original second city in Toronto so so Misty when you go to Toronto definitely check it out um yeah. you probably have, have you been to the Chicago one the second city in Chicago I have. Yeah. yeah so we just went we just went uh, a couple months ago and, and my brother went with us. My brother's a big fan. My brother actually takes uh, improv classes. He's been doing improv for about two years. And he it. works for a bank. He's a credit analyst in a bank. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> nothing about his job says, you know, you take risks. As a matter of fact, it's also the, sort of the opposite. Right. He, his job <laughs> is to, to help people take in applications that won't default. Right. <laughs> so, so, so because at his work, he takes absolutely no risk that he channels all his inner risk that he wants to take through <laughs> improv so but uh, but but I talk to him all the time and he tells me about what he learns from it and he takes a lot of the uh, learnings from from just working with other people in improv comedy to sort of to teach 
as a leader to teach mm-hmm. people to allow your team members to sort of uh, let them start, let, let them, because um, I think the point I'm trying to make is many times, especially in sort of an innovation session, uh, people start coming up with ideas and the minute it starts feeling wrong, you start derailing them and you start shutting them down and you start moving to the familiar. And, and yeah. in, in improv is sort of the opposite. I, I've, I've seen my brother uh, practice, yes. I've seen him perform. <laughs> And uh, one thing, a couple of things that he tells me, he goes back and sort of does the, 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 the replay and tells me, you know, when this guy came to me and, and he said he was this character and that character and this was happening, I immediately didn't know where he was going, but I had to basically, I had to play in, I had to lay in, I had to let him continue the story. Um, and even if it goes wrong, because sometimes you will be, you will be surprised on how these things come full circle. Right. Um, at the end, so I just thought I thought that was that was that was fascinating. But yeah. one one of the other things that my brother told me that just completely blew my mind. He said sometimes it's not about what you say; sometimes it's what you don't say. So mm-hmm. silence silence is a really powerful part of theater. And one hundred percent sounds counterintuitive, but he says, look, when you take a pause, how you take a pause, how long that pause is, who takes the pause at what moment really sort of shapes the comedy and shapes uh, you know, what you're trying to, to portray. And then some silence is meant to cause laughter, some silence is meant to cause anxiety, and some silence is there for people to think about and think about the joke, because some jokes take a while, while to get. So, <laughs> to land. <laughs> so, so in, yeah. consulting, in consulting, this is a, in consulting advisory, this is a similar issue that we know-it-alls have, you know, when we're having a conversation with, with a client, and um, and we think that silence is awkward. We want to fill that silence with with stuff, with fluff. Like we wanna we wanna maximize words per minute in our consulting sessions. And, yeah. and some and sometimes that silence is uh, it's really really important. And, and it is it is part of the act. It's part of the conversation. That's something I was thinking about when you when you were talking about um, the theater portion. On the risk side, I think that accountants most accountants don't like to take risks because they've been successful for so many years. And that's kind of our challenge. Our challenge industry-wide is there are so many successful accountants that haven't changed anything. They've done the same thing over and over and over and it's worked. So why take, why take risks, right? And I think that what you're trying to tell us and hopefully what you will teach us at Toronto, and I'm saying us because I'm sort of saying, I'm thinking that I'm going to go to Toronto too, just to go to that class, yeah. uh, just to go to that class. But um, I think what you're going to teach us is that there's not going to be a way, you're not going to be able to innovate without being able to play, play the story, right? Play it and emulate it and simulate it. This is why um, in, in teaching and training, when you get people talking and you get people to sort of uh, simulate and let's do an exercise pretend you're this person, pretend you're that person, get people talking and get people to sort of shape the future. At that point, people start getting it. Because sometimes we, we sort of need it, we need to see it play out in order for us to be able to imagine it. And some people are better at reading, some people are better at podcasts, but some people learn through that human to human interaction. And I think that's where theater plays a really big role. So Misty, yeah. let's make the transition from specific theater skills and things that you apply to your day-to-day business now? Are are there any that come to mind? Uh, Absolutely. So uh, one of the things that you said on silence, by the way, the show I'm directing right now, literally the writer wrote in the pauses and how long the pauses need to be because of the subtext of the story is actually more important than the words. And so a lot of times, I mean, Brad Smith, I think, has the best quote of you have two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? And theater absolutely teaches you that because it's all about observing the other person, especially in improv. You have to observe them and see where they're going and understand what they're saying and listen to them in order to react appropriately and add on. And for me in business, 
that is always what I'm doing with my team, with other team members, with other organizations. I am listening. I am asking, hey, what are you struggling with right now? Yeah, that's that's what I'm struggling with. I usually have two mouths, one ear. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but Misty, I, I love that we're talking about theater and I think the importance of that, but you have a pretty diverse background. You've done a lot more than theater. You have a pretty extensive background in business yeah. as well. Can you yeah. share a little bit more about some of that background? Absolutely. So I first started uh, at uh, First International Computer, and that was all um, making actual systems for Fortune 500 companies. I was in OEM, which is original engineer manufacturing. And I had started as the receptionist for a 10th position. And while I was in that position, I thought I would memorize all of the products just for the heck of it, right? I was like, hey, I'm here, might as well do this. And somebody called on the phone for the VP and I was just like, oh, let me check and chip the VP. He said, oh, can you, I'll be right there. Just like entertain him for a few minutes. And I was like, okay. So I said, hey, would you like to know about our new products? And he's like, yeah, sure. And so I started telling him all about them. It ended up being the CEO and it was only my day two. And I, so I didn't even notice him. <laughs> and the next week I was moved into the sales department and I was like, okay. <laughs> So from there, I uh, worked at that company for a couple of years and then Chip, the VP, actually went and started another company and took me with him. And so we started a, a modem manufacturing company and my division was all in the OEM for the government sector. And so we created these Fortessa cards that were encryption cards based on your rank within the military. It would give you certain access to what was on the computer. And so I worked all in the government sector and, you know, would go to the Pentagon and do all sorts of things. And if you think accountant parties are crazy, which they are, and nobody believes me outside of the accountant world, <laughs> the government parties are equally as crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did that for quite a few years and basically started that company with five of us and grew it to about 200. And I got exhausted of the commute. It was a good three to four hours commute each way. Wow. Um, it was the, the top of the uh, Silicon Valley times. And so one day I got, I was like, that's it. And I drove a mile radius around my home. I found a company that was hiring and they told me, create whatever role you want. We would love to have you here. And so I created a role that was the in between the sales and the engineers because I saw that the sales teams were not connected to all the new innovations that were going on. And so I became that conduit for those two teams. Then eventually I started my own business and then eventually I made it to Sleater, but I've had, I've had many lives. I also took a little branch out for a little while and just got completely exhausted with technology and went became a drama teacher. <laughs> it's like, that's it. I love <laughs> more politics and teaching than any other job I've had, but I loved the kids. <laughs> yeah. what, I mean, what, what I love is that in, in every one of those things, starting from, you know, your first job as a re receptionist, it was not only about showing up, but it was about showing out and going above and beyond expectations. I mean, that's right. a perfect example of what makes a great Intuit employee. Um, and very smart of, of that CEO to pull you along his journey as he moved on to his next company. Because I think that there's, you know, all too often, um, there's so much complacency in jobs, you know, toe the line, do the minimum, get your job done, go home to your kids and, you know, have this work-life balance, which, you know, everyone aspires to, but not enough people talk about the importance of stepping up and showing up and showing out. Um, and going above and beyond what you're doing. You had no obligation to sit there and study the new products. Um, but yeah. what that did for you in your career, um, obviously it, it gave you an opportunity for the sales department and then on to the other company. Um, obviously it tells a lot about your character, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and that you are the type of person that's not going to put in the bare minimum. And that's why you've gotten to where you are today. So I think that that's mm -hmm. certainly a really important lesson. And mm -hmm. I mean... I think that that tells everyone who's listening the type of person that you are. So if you're stepping up to do some training with Intuit, you better do a heck of a lot more than the minimum because Misty's expecting you to show up and show out, right? <laughs> we are coming up with some good training. I think Intuit has done a phenomenal job of certifications and stuff over the years, but uh, they're letting me branch out and do some really good training coming up. 
that is non-product related. Uh, so. So tell us more about that. <laughs> I'm like, what can I share? Um, so we are coming out with advisory training end to end, which I'm really excited about. And it is global advisory. So we're pulling all of these thought leaders globally to work together. We just developed our roadmap for the entire end to end education uh, about four weeks ago. And we've been passing it around and just validating everything before we hit go. But uh, I am so excited about it because I just I've heard for so many years, you know, from sleeter days to, hey, you guys got to become advisors, you've got to become advisors. And then I have so many people coming up to me, Misty, I get it. I get that I have to, I just don't know how I don't know what dashboards I if the dashboard even shows up, I don't even know what numbers to be looking at. And so uh, from cash flow to all sorts of the the step-by-step -step that you need versus like the why. And so I'm excited that we'll be launching that. Uh, part of it will be launching hopefully by January and then we'll launch the next quarter, uh, the rest of it, so. So with this advisory training, um, this sounds pretty exciting by the way, because the, the, the what and the why, I think that most thought leaders and conferences have done a really good job at telling people, yeah, you definitely got to do advisory. Yeah. Just the mechanics of what happens during advisory, the definition of it, that's the stuff that's kind of sort of been up in the air. And and I don't think Intuit will get it 100% right in terms of that they're the only ones that will know how to do advisory. I think they will, they will give you, you, you will give us a framework and exactly. that could be a, a starting point. And advisory really, it's about the, the advisor and the client. So a lot of things are really contextual, but let, let's fr from the little that you could talk about that, or the little that you can that you can discuss. Uh, tell me some basic things like how is Intuit defining advisory? What's so when Intuit took this project of doing advisory training? I'm sure you guys had to say, well, let's let's all get on the same page about what advisory means, right? So uh, so <laughs> what what so what what transcribed there? You know what, what was what what did you guys agree? that or, or what, what that a pro advisor is supposed to do in terms of advising or what is advisory from in this world in the accounting technology world yeah you know hector you're absolutely right and advisory can go in a variety of different ways so for us to tackle all those different ways when we first thought about it and we brought in you know just a handful of people to help us brainstorm it that have already created advisory content training and have trained multiple firms in advisory uh, globally, we like when we put the end to end together, we're like, okay, so here's a master's degree in advisory. And if people are willing to put in like three years with us, <laughs> they'll learn everything they need to know. And we're just like, we got it. We got to pare this down. And so it was really hard to figure out where to pare down, to be honest, because, you know, just when you go into benchmarking, that alone could be hours and hours of training. Um, when you go into niches and understanding what the, because every single niche, you're going to advise them as you know, in a different way. You know, you're gonna to talk to contractors in a different way than what you are talking to a restaurant owner. And so we can kind of give you the roadmap of things to be looking for, but you kind of have to then take it out on your own realm and figure out your niche in order to be able to like go in your next steps. So I think a lot of it is around kind of being a little bit more focused, which I know you've been a huge proponent of, of, hey, you got to focus your session. Can I just plug your session at QVC? Sure. You guys, I have already been plugging it to my small business friends that are going, I've been plugging it to accountants. I am so excited about your session. <laughs> Um, but the fact that you're like helping people hone in on their one sentence that will help somebody go, this accountant is for me, I think is so important. And so go to Hector's class. It'll help start, start the wheels turning on your niche practices. And then when you come into advisory, you'll kind of be set up a little bit further than where, where you need to go. So when you're absorbing the content on cash flow and benchmarking and dashboards and how to do the reporting, how to have the conversations with your client, what kind of questions to be asking them, all of those things that you need to know to have the deep conversations 
are going to be your advisory training. Yeah, um, thank you for the plug. And I'll, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to sort of the beginning and it, it, the, the very first time that I started thinking about the concept of advisory. Um, yeah. and, and before the word advisory started sort of hitting it as a buzzword in the industry, it was consulting. So consulting was sort of the, the 90s word and advisory is the, the, the millennial word. But yeah. <laughs> I remember in 2010, I believe, um, Intuit uh, invited me to go at a sort of really affordable price to a mini conference in New York uh, that was run by a person by the name of Edie Osborne. I'm sure you're familiar with Edie. Yes, and, very. Uh, yeah, so she, she's great. And, um, and, and it got a bunch of people together. Most of us were accountants, a couple of lawyers. And the first thing that she said, probably within the first hour, she said something that I, I just love and I keep thinking about it, which is random acts of consulting, right? <laughs> and that, that's her term. She coined that, random acts of consulting. Yeah. And then at all times that the, she was teaching us how to think about consulting and how to think about advisory, every time somebody came up with a story, she says, that was a random act of consulting. Because what ends up happening is, um, again, I believe that there's no rule book, no playbook for advisory or consulting. I believe that there's no one book, one way, one framework. That's true. But, but, the, but the, the, the challenge is that if you don't at least, or you're not at least intentional about that, what's about to happen is you're about to get advice. What's about to happen is you're about to get consulted on. If you don't frame it that what's going to happen in forward is consulting or advisory, basically it's just more words of the rest of your work. So I think the challenge that a lot of advisors have, or a lot of consultants have, is that they want to uh, do advisory, they want to do consulting, but they don't know how to package it as a separate service. Yeah. And they all call themselves an advisor or a consultant because as part of their regular work, they answer questions. As part of their regular work, they, you know, they, they, the client trusts them with their opinion. But the problem is that if you don't uh, separate you know, yeah. doing bookkeeping and providing transformational business advisory that can turn the business owner into a leader, um, you know, that stuff is worth, it's, it's priceless. And, 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 and when you just throw it in there and would you, you just make it a part of your value proposition, which is not a problem, the, the, the challenge is that if your client doesn't recognize it as advice, doesn't recognize it as consulting, they might just think it's one more opinion. So that, that has such a strong mark on me that as you know, a couple of years later, as I started becoming really good at what I do in the QuickBooks world, and I wanted to separate, hey, fixing your inventory is one thing, but telling you how you should organize and think about inventory management for the future, it's another separate thing. That's the key word right there is the future. You're the going future. from being a historian and telling them, hey, this is what your last month looked like to hey, here's the things that you can change to make your business better. And when I had, when we had our own business, uh, we loved our accountant. My husband would go and we would, you know, finish payroll and sit in his office for an hour or so while he ran our payroll for us. And he would, he would absolutely give us advice just on general things, but it's very different to just like give some tips and tricks to being intentional about it and taking a proactive future looking. And if you said, hey, even if he just asked us a couple questions or if I told him some things or my husband did, we would have been a whole different space. Like I was doing all of our stuff by hand as far as it went for payroll. I would call my employees and go, hey, what hours did you work on Thursday? I can't read your writing. Like if he would have just asked me, hey, how are you doing payroll right now? Like, how are you calculating all these hours? Did you know there's an app called T-Sheets? Save me some time. Our our inventory management system, Hector, did not integrate with QuickBooks. So we were manually entering every single purchase at the end of the night. My husband would be there till three, four in the morning. And it's all these things that if you're just asking the questions and observing how they do their business, you will become this future forward-thinking person to solve problems for them that they don't even know to tell you. Right. And I think it's really about having that conversation at a deeper level than just a, hey, how are you doing? Because, you know, we all have that connection with our clients, hopefully, of like, hey, how's it going? And you get that surface level conversation that they're willing to share with you. 
because they don't know. They don't know that you could potentially solve this for them unless you start asking the right questions, right? And the monster question to ask, and Misty, you, you know about this because we, we, you did a practice session uh, with me on the, on the session I'm gonna teach at, at uh, QuickBooks Connect, is imagine, imagine, keyword, right? Imagine three years from now, we're sitting happy, enjoying our progress. We've, we've done some monumental changes. You're super happy. You hit some of your goals. What does that look like? You know, get, you, you gotta be able to talk about the future with ease, you know, smoothly. And accountants, the formal accountant training, I mean, the, the, the way, it's so messed up about our industry is that when you take the CPA exam, I'll give you a quick, for anybody that's taking the CPA exam, if the, any of the answers talks about the future, is the wrong answer. Because CPAs will never be asked about the future. CPAs <laughs> can never talk about the future. CPAs can never give an opinion about the future. The whole framework of CPAs is we're really good at measuring the past. And, and that has been entrenched in our training, entrenched in, in the history of the profession, which is why even advisors that think that they're giving advisory by telling someone what their financial ratios is, that's not advisory. Advisory is, is not telling, advisory is not rearranging the numbers and telling people, oh, your current ratio is this and that. That's not advisory. Advisory is if you want this to get better, my opinion is, let's look at this, let's look at this, let's look at that, right? So, um, so that's the thing. I, I think that's the key word there, and you nailed it, Misty, is at any point in time that we talk about the future, that's technically advisory. And, and if you could package compliance work and bookkeeping work as one important piece, and by the way, all these people that say advisory is the future, this and that, hey, compliance is also the future. People need their, their books in order. We need, to, we need to know what the baseline is. We need to understand what our profit was. We need history to create some context for the changes yeah. that we're going to make. So I think accountants are in the best possible position to give advice because they know the numbers. They know the numbers. They know if the numbers are right or wrong. They can make the numbers right, and then they can create the framework uh, for the future. So I I'm really excited to see what that advisory training is going to look like. Um, I hope to get involved maybe with version two. At some point, that would be uh, interesting as well. Um, so, uh, so Misty, what about uh, the? Uh, so, so you talked about something new, exciting in the Pro Advisor Program, which is adding some advisory training. Does that also include uh, specific industry training? Are you guys looking at that too? At doing some niche training. So, like deep dive into construction, or deep dive into retail, or deep dive into nonprofit. Is that is that in the pipeline? You're, you're setting me really up really well for uh, QuickBooks Connect, and I don't think <laughs> So we're actually testing some of this out at, at QVC. And so we are doing everything from introductory classes to advanced classes, uh, all designed around niches to kind of to see where we're landing on that. I did a lot of niche training at T-Sheets and uh, with David Leary and uh, loved doing it and just helping people understand the overall scope. A lot of times people go, oh, the restaurant industry, and they think it's one thing. And it's like, no, you have franchises, you have sole, you know, sole restaurants, you have large chains. There's a lot of different pieces underneath each of those buckets of niches. So we're, we're dipping our toe in uh, at QVC with nonprofit, construction, legal, um, client services, uh, I want to say retail. And so uh, I'm interested to see how that lands at QVC as our, our testing. We don't typically test it. <laughs> we did do a lot of research to land on these specific ones, but it'll be nice to see uh, how it's consumed and the feedback and everything from that. But I'm a, because as I've been saying, I'm a big proponent of that. I think going niche is just such an easier way to dive deep and expand, especially if you're going into advisory. And niche doesn't have to be like a construction niche. It can be an e-commerce niche. It could be your digital plumbing niche, whatever you want that to be. But becoming that expert in it helps you, I, I truly feel, it helps you broaden your services as opposed to trying to become an expert in every single client's needs that are all different clients. It's just 
hectic, 100% hectic. It's hard to scale. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir here. I couldn't agree with you more uh, in niches where it's at. Um, but maybe I'm going to ask you to put on your advisory hat here, Misty, and give us <laughs> some advice on how to manage our timetables when we're at QB Connect. I'm not going to ask you which which speakers to attend because I know that would create a lot of bias oh, I'm for you. I'm my children. I can't do that. Yeah, I, I, Although I, I just pitched Hector, so obviously. <laughs> one of the hard things about, about uh, QB Connect is managing your time, right? We know there's yeah. a lot of great content. Um, there's speakers who are, you know, speaking at the same time as each other and you want to go. How do you recommend people budget and manage their time? How do they go about picking their, let's call it course load for lack of a better word, yeah. uh, their event and, and manage that? You know, I know I've, I've been through the app already. I've, you know, gone through and picked the, pe the people I want to speak to. But I also know that for me, that plan's going to go out the window. The minute I get <laughs> down there, I bump into Hector in the hallway and we have <laughs> an hour long conversation. That's <laughs> five minutes, and next thing I know, I've missed that event. Uh, like, oh. Yeah, you know, you know, there's going to be those random conversations, those hallway 100%. conversations that are priceless right and that's that's yeah. a big part of why we go down there so do you have any tips for for you know let's let's do a you know a beginner and an advanced you know this is your first time what do you do how do you manage your time and if you're yeah. a pro you've been down there before what are some tips you might give to people who have been doing this three four or five times i i think that is great questions i will tell you that you know i've been doing conferences for quite a while and I have seen multiple times people who are new to the conference circuit that are crying. And I go up to them just to like see what's happening. And they are so overwhelmed because the education makes them feel like they are behind everybody else. And that they all of a sudden don't know what they're doing. Their foundation is pulled out from underneath them. And it's just like, and the issue is one, don't be so hard on yourself. You're here to learn. And the fact that you are learning, that's great. But look at the schedule before you go and be intentional, intention driven on one topic. If you are saying, okay, I know I need to get better at marketing my services. That's what I need. Let's look at all the classes that just deal with that so I can dive deep into that issue. If you are trying to dive into, I wanna figure out all the apps I need to integrate with. I need to figure out how to do marketing better. I need to figure out how to be a better salesperson. I need to figure out how to do advisory. You are going to overwhelm yourself. No matter how many years you've been in practice, you are then going to paralyze yourself so you will not take action after you leave because you will have so many ideas pulling you in different directions it just becomes chaotic for you. So you just stop. So whether you have done this for <laughs> ever in a day, there's always something we can improve on. I have been in marketing since the 90s. <laughs> I won't say when in the 90s, but early. Um, and I still take marketing classes, still. And it could be a marketing 101 class. And I'll be like, oh my God, I totally forgot about that. I've been doing this for so long. It's just like, some skill set that I just totally like, oh, that's a simple thing. Why didn't I think about? So you can do that no matter how many years you've been in practice. So I say the same thing, whether you're new or you're experienced, look at the schedule, figure out that one thing that you absolutely have to walk away with. Make sure you have time to network because that is what it's all about is bumping into people like you two in the hallways and hugging and going, oh my gosh, and becoming a fan for a little bit. And then I've sat on couches and just had really deep conversations with people about how they've moved their practice forward and just picking each other's brains for best practices or whatever it is that you need to get out of it. Um, but if you're intentional when you go, even on your classes, then even your conversations will be around that too. Say, hey, I'm going to talk, I'm going to learn about marketing. Oh, when I see Hector, hey, Hector, I'm here to learn about marketing. What's your best tip? Help me out. <laughs> Give me one thing. You'll leave with a lot of different like pieces that you can then put a puzzle together for yourself. On the, on the marketing class comment, Misty, I don't know if you know, but my undergrad is in marketing. I've actually, I'm actually a marketing major and I've, and I went back to school and became an accountant 
a couple of years later. So my background actually is marketing and I'm fascinated with marketing. Um, so I do take, I don't take marketing classes per se, but I do read marketing books. And if you haven't read Alchemy, um, that book would just blow your mind. It's, it's, it's the newest, best marketing book you, you can think about is uh, by Rory Sutherland, who is uh, one of the head honchos at Ogilvy in UK. It's called Alchemy. Uh, it's really, really cool. Um, so that's a good recommendation for a marketing book. Uh, Mine anyway. is Multicasting, one of the best books I ever read. It is What's how it to called? take one multicasting. It's this concept of taking one piece, like for instance, this podcast, taking it and transforming it. So you then have a white paper, you do blog posts from it, you can do tweets about it, but it's all about taking one piece of content and using it in multiple ways. So you're not constantly creating and exhausting your, your skills. So yeah, re repurposing it. As a matter of fact, yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you the reason why I started not this podcast, but another podcast called yeah. the art of art of advisory. Um, I started that podcast because I said, I want to write a book called The Art of Advisory, but I'm a horrible writer. So I said, what I'll do is I'll talk about it for like a hundred episodes and then I'll hire someone to transcribe it for me there you go. and turn it into a book. That was So when my book comes out, you know, it won't be, uh, you'll know, I, I didn't type it. I talked about it. <laughs> but but uh, that's on, okay. on, on the, on the QuickBooks Connect thing, one thing I, I like to tell anybody that's going, especially first timers, it's important that you open up the app and that you, schedule your classes and your intentional all that stuff is important but don't freak out if you missed a class don't freak Absolutely. out if you had if you had two choices like for example ron baker speaks at every single time that i'm speaking so i can't see him i have i have a man crush on him i'm disappointed that i can't see his classes but i can't let that stuff consume me we make choices right we will choose one over the other don't, don't, don't think, oh, the other one would have been better. Don't even, don't worry about that, okay? Yeah. Just pick your class, take your notes, and think about that stuff later. And worst case scenario, if you pick the wrong class every single time, and I, I'm, that's not going to happen, but if you pick the wrong class Never every know. single time, <laughs> and you still had a chance to talk to people, bump into people, hang out, I think there's probably a lot more value there, okay? Like, and... Um, Andrew, for example, like Andrew, Andrew and I have been chatting online for a couple of years, but we never really were friends until uh, last year. You know how Andrew and I became friends? I'm like, uh, unfortunately, that is how it happened. Uh, <laughs> Andrew heard about me smoking a specific, <laughs> specific type of cigar in maybe a, a chat or a podcast or something like that. And he's like, you know what? I want to connect with Hector. He took two cigars or three cigars. And when he saw me, Hector, I got the cigars that you like. And at that what? moment, um, nice at that moment, we, we spoke the rest of the night. And Andrew and I are really good friends now. We do this podcast. I stayed at his at his family's cabin over the summer, and it was an amazing experience. Awesome. So I, I, I would not have gone to Canada this summer with my family, which is the best trip we've ever taken as a family, if Andrew hadn't pushed us there. So sometimes, sometimes there's little connections you make that escalate into really, really big things. Like Ron Baker's another example. I took a class with Ron Baker at SleaterCon Misty the very first year I okay. went. And this concept of value pricing blew my mind. And then I went to talk to him afterwards and he actually responded and he actually looked at me and he actually uh, you know, showed interest on my questions. And that, and that just, that struck me and I, I've become a fan of his work and that has transformed my practice, my mindset quite yeah. a bit. And, and many other friends, Michael Lee, I met him in another type of conference. Many people I've met, many people I've connected with, I feel that they're maybe not the type of friends that will bail me out if I get arrested, but the type of, <laughs> but the type of friends, all crowdsource for you. Right. But the type of, but the type of friends, the type of friends that if I run into a situation with a specific type of client that is a niche, a restaurant or whatever, and I get stuck, I do a Facebook text, and within a minute I have an answer, I have a guide, I have a link, yeah. I have an article, I have a contact. That stuff, it's priceless and it's difficult Agreed. to see in the short term as you're meeting people and shaking hands, you can't see it. I know it's hard, but long-term you build the relationships, you stay you stay connected, you, you chat via, via the forums, via the Facebook groups, via message, remember, like Andrew did, remember what was special about that person, remember? something that they like and share something with them. 
You know, like I, I always talk to people every time they tell me they like a particular type of book. First thing I do is go to Amazon, buy the book, ship it for them. Just like I did earlier, an hour ago, Misty. Because, <laughs> because, on, because you spend $20 in cigars, in a book, in a little thing, but it was on that person about something that they like and they remember you forever. And, and I'm not saying that that's a deposit account for you to cash in later. Relationships have a, a strange way of turning into income and turning into career moves. And I'm sure, yeah. Misty, that the contacts that you knew as leader led you to CP Academy and the contacts in CP Academy led you to T-Sheets and uh, T-Sheets naturally to QuickBooks Connect. That, that, that stuff happens naturally. Don't be, you don't need to be intentional about building profitable relationships. Just be intentional about connecting with people. And in the long run, it will be profitable. And profitable is not always money, okay? Like I profited from Andrew's relationship with an, an amazing trip to Canada because of that. So yeah. I think like that, there's many stories from people connecting at QuickBooks Connect. We just had Andrew Berg a couple of uh, weeks ago in this podcast who told us a story about how he met the firm of the future, uh, not the firm of the future, the, the Super Bowl ad winner from 2015, Death Wish Coffee. He met him at QuickBooks Connect in the bar. And that was his biggest client. And, and, and his, his story was amazing. If you're a regular wow. watcher, listener of this, you, that was a great story. That's this type of stuff that can happen in QuickBooks Connect. Just, you know, sleep little, <laughs> wake up early, <laughs> yeah. talk to people, hit the bars, you know, make, make connections. And even if you take no classes, because I get to the point that QuickBooks Connect that on my way to a class, people pull me left and right. And I yeah. could simply say, I'm busy. I'm going to a class. And I could do that because, because it's true. But I could stop <laughs> and say, sure, what's your question? What do you want? And I, I just answer. I mean, I'm there to connect with people. So, um, so I just answer. And, and, then, and then lo and behold, uh, the next guest to the podcast is the person that I spoke to or a person that sent me a client is the person I spoke to. So don't be shy of connecting and not seeing the value of connecting more than the sessions themselves. Although the sessions are great, especially my session, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but I'm saying, even if you miss your favorite session, even if you couldn't shake Ashton Kusher's hand or whatever your, your goal was, if you connect with other professionals, I guarantee you that that will be fruitful in the future. 100%, hence the name of the conference. <laughs> yeah. It's all about connecting, right? I mean, yeah. um, I, I love, you know, the relationship that I've built with actors, uh, so much so that we're um, turning his kids into wannabe Canadians. I think his actor <laughs> the other day, he said, my son woke up today singing, Oh Canada, where the heck did he get this? You know, <laughs> are, are you texting my son the lyrics to Oh Canada? Um, actually, actually, Andrew, your plans even, are working, Andrew. Your plans are working. Even, 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 my, my, my youngest kid, who's 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 three, Hector Jr. I got that right. He's he, my my fourth kid. My youngest kid actually carries my name. Long story, but he went the first big trip as a family where he gets on an airplane. He's in a different place. What's this kind of Canada trip? And we went the week of um, of Canada Day, which is like Fourth of July. So yeah. there, were, there were Canadian flags everywhere. So obviously he sees a Canadian flag and he says Canada. But the funniest thing that happened to us two weeks ago, we went to a restaurant that had a big American flag, like a huge one, American flag. And he tells me that, he says, look. I said, yes. And I'm waiting for you. He said, like Canada. <laughs> it's, a, it's a flag, like the Canadian flag. So in his mind, the standard flag is the Canadian flag. The Canadian flag. And yeah. Andrew, I'm sure, was, <laughs> was whispering so in his ear as he slept. <laughs> it, it is so funny. So Andrew, uh, we're, we're at that hour. Uh, we would love to keep Misty for another hour, but let's, uh, let's let her enjoy the rest of her Friday night. Any last words of wisdom, uh, Andrew? Um, yeah, well, thank you, Misty, for, for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, can't wait to see you in QB Connect. Um, I think you've, you know, you have said everything there is to say, you know, the relationships down at QB Connect um, are what it's all about to me. I, as, as much work as Misty has put into arranging amazing content, I would skip every one of those classes um, to have those relationships and to have those conversations 
with people. So even if you don't drink, make sure you're hitting those bars, make sure you're hitting those after events, make sure that you're stopping and taking the time to have the conversations in the, in the hall. Um, because I think Misty, you know, you're right, go with an intention, but be prepared to pivot. Recognize, yeah, you've got to flex, you've got to be prepared that the calendar, whatever calendar that you have set in your app today is going to change in some way, <laughs> shape or form. So be prepared for that. But I, 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 I'm really excited. I can't wait to, uh, to uh, see both of you in person again soon. Um, you know, there's, you know, and I'm looking forward to that person that I haven't met yet. Um, so, you know, if you don't know me yet and you haven't met me in real life, make sure you come over and give me a hug and say hello. You can't miss him super tall. <laughs> he stands out in a crowd. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Misty, thank you so much for coming on. Maybe uh, we'll have you back and maybe talk more QuickBooks, more announcements, but I know it's hard because QuickBooks Connect is coming and you're going to make tons of announcements. It is. And there's so many good announcements that I'm I like, I can't talk about anything because I don't know what I'm okay to talk about. So yeah, it's a post conference, conference for sure. <laughs> Which I'm excited for. There you go. Anyways, thanks. There's so you much. Thank so much. Have a great rest of your evening. You too. Bye for now, Misty. Bye. Join Andrew Wall, Hector Garcia, and Michael Lee. One mission, one rule make accounting fun. Welcome to Friday Night Live with Accountants. Are you ready? It's nothing to do with the show, so it's fun.